Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. Well, howdy, everybody. This is John Michael Talbot. Do you have problems finding balance and moderation in your life? We're going to be taking a look at that with St. Benedict of Nursia, with Monk Dynasty, and all things are possible with God. Come back. See you here. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back. This is John Michael Talbot. We're looking at Monk Dynasty, not Duck Dynasty, Monk Dynasty, and we're looking at St. Benedict of Nursia on this program. Now, St. Benedict, he's the father of Western monasticism. Benedict kind of boiled down all of the extremes and excesses that sometimes existed in earlier forms of monasticism. He balanced things. He moderated things. He made it extremely accessible and livable for the average guy or gal that really wanted to get radical for Jesus. So he's the father of Western monasticism. He's, he's the champion of being balanced and moderate, radical but not fanatical. Don't we need these things today? Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I've seen... Some Christians that are so far out to the right or so far out to the left that they're not effective. They're not really getting things done. And we have to have a certain balance in our life. Now, there's a few keys here. A radical Christian is rooted. It comes from a Greek root. That means root. <laughs> so a radish, for instance, is a rooted crop. So to be radical means to be deeply rooted in Christ. And that works really well, doesn't it? With the analogy of Jesus being the vine and us being the branches, see? So we want to be radical. Fanaticism takes certain external aspects of genuine radicalism and emphasizes it to an kind of an absurd extreme. They understand the form of radicalism, but they don't understand the spirit of radicalism. A lot of people who are into legalism fall into this. They want to be very kind of like law-oriented. Well, we got to have the spirit. We want 
the spirit, not just the law, to be radical, but not fanatical. Fanaticism is always, I think, a very dangerous thing. I personally believe that fanaticism, it's the same animal, whether it shows up in the Christian faith, the Catholic expression of the Christian faith, whether it shows up in the Muslim world, whether it shows up in the Jewish world or the Hindu world or the Buddhist world, there are fanatics and arch-conservatives in all of these expressions of religion, and they all kind of tend to be militant, triumphalistic, and angry towards people that don't agree with them. (laughs) So they're very exclusive. Genuine radicalism is rooted and, and understands the spirit of what we're doing and what we're all about. So we want to be radical, but not fanatical. We also want to be conservative, but we don't want to be arch-conservative. St. Paul says, you know, conserve the traditions that you've, hand, that you've heard from me, speaking to, to St. Timothy. He says, you know, guard and preserve the rich deposit of faith. So a real conservative conserves, but they don't go so far that they become ultra-conservative or arch-conservative. So we want to be conservative, but not arch-conservative. Likewise, we want to have some fundamentals in our life, but we don't want to be fundamentalists. There's a big difference, big difference. Fundamental comes from a Latin fundamenta, which means foundation. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. We are living stones in a spiritual temple. We are building up in every generation. The spiritual temple is, the wall is built higher and higher and higher. We have to build squarely on what's come before, but we have to go into space where nobody has put a stone before. So to be a true conservative, you're, you're building squarely on what's come before, but, but you're not leaning too far to the right or too far to the left, or the wall will lean and your stone will fall to the ground and break. So we want to be, we want to have fundamentals, but we don't want to be fundamental Yes, fundamentalists want to just go back down into the wall and keep trying to repeat what was done in earlier eras and earlier centuries. Again, understanding the externals, but not understanding the heart, the spirit of what things are all about. Pope Francis, he, he's fairly strong about this. He calls folks like this Neo-Pelagian. Neo-Pelagian, they believe that by just getting the law right, the rituals right, the rubrics right, that somehow they'll please God and they'll be saved. He goes, uh-uh, you can't work your way to heaven. You've got to have grace. You've got to have the Spirit. We want to be conservative, but not arch-conservative. We want to be radical, but not fanatical. And we want to have fundamentals in our life, but we don't want to be fundamentalists. So important. Well, let's look briefly at the life of St. Benedict of Nursia to end this little segment. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at some of the lessons that He has to teach us, especially from his rule. Well, St. Benedict was born in 480 and uh, in Norcia, Norcia, N-O-R-C-I-A, or sometimes we see it N-U-R-S-I-A. So he lived in Norcia, and he lived in a time when barbarians were coming into Rome. He went into Rome and wanted to kind of get a good education and whatnot. He saw so much depravity in Rome. He said, this ain't it. So he left. He went out to a place called Subiaco, 
which was an old derelict estate out by a lake up in the mountains, and he lived as a hermit. So there was an old monk that took care of him, and he would come and tell him when Easter was. And he would get him to come to church on Easter because you had to come to church at least once a year back in those days to be a good Catholic. So he lived out in a hermit's cave. And uh, pretty soon the monks in the neighboring monastery, they said, you know, our monastery is not doing so good. So let's go ask that hermit out there to come and be our abbot. The word abbot means father, to be the spiritual father of the community. So... That's what they did. They invited him to come in and be their abbot. So he was installed as the abbot. You know, he's going to be powerful. He was going to be able to bring these spiritual principles and bring them to the monks. He started teaching the monks those principles. You know what they wanted to do? They tried to kill him. Whoa. Yeah. So they tried to kill him. He met with resistance. He said, well, this isn't going to work. So what did he do? He resigned as abbot. And he went back into solitude. What a lesson there. See, sometimes people want us to lead, but they don't really want you to lead. They don't really want to learn from you. They just want your name, or they want the prestige of having this holy hermit be their abbot. Benedict knew when to walk away. So he walked away. He walked away. And he went back into solitude, back into his life with Christ in prayer and then genuine disciples begin to show up. And they said, we want to be as close to Jesus in this solitude as you are. So he did. And he goes back out into solitude. He attracts disciples. He begins to build a monastery at Subiaco. And it gets fairly successful. It gets fairly successful. Well, what happens next? Well, then the local parish priest gets jealous. Because Benedict, the layman... Is really, really popular. And so this parish priest sends prostitutes to dance naked. <laughs> Can you imagine? He sent naked prostitutes to dance in the cloister of the monastery. And Benedict, he says, okay, I can handle this. I can withstand this temptation. But I'm not sure these young monks can yet. So uh, we better leave. So he left. And then he goes to a place and founds another place around a pagan temple. He Christianizes it, and is now called Monte Cassino. Well, St. Gregory the Great wrote the life of St. Benedict, and is filled with miracles. He was, he was not just withdrawn, he was out ministering, out ministering to people. People were coming to him. He was preaching. He was healing. Great crowds were attracted. And a whole group of monasteries began to be built. By the end of Benedict's life, they had three strong monasteries that were in place. And he had some good followers who were really following what he had to teach. And from that, the rule of St. Benedict began to be written and developed, and it became one of the strongest rules in the Western Church. We're going to come back and take a look at some of the lessons of this. So, let's be balanced, not imbalanced, moderate. Let's be radical, but not fanatical. And let's understand the life of Benedict. We, too, will face obstacles. Benedict knew how to face them, and when he faced them rightly, bang, his life worked. All things are possible with God. 
Breathe in the Spirit of God With each breath you take Breathe out all that's not of God Howdy everybody, this is John Michael. Welcome back. We're going to be taking a look now in our Monk Dynasty series on the All Things Are Possible with God program, the Rule of St. Benedict. Now it's a long rule, way too long for us to go through entirely, but the first part of the rule has some spiritual substance that I think is something we can all take home and put to work in our life. You know, St. John Chrysostom, he says, every serious Christian Anyone who's serious about following Jesus, you got a little monk inside. <laughs> you got a little monk in your heart. So we all have a little bit of a monk in our heart, don't we, when we're really serious about following God and following Jesus and having a great spiritual life. So let's take a look at the rule. Well, the prologue of the rule, we could spend a whole program just on that. He says, listen, my son, to a father's instruction, to a father who loves you. 
See, a lot of times we think of obedience, don't we, as kind of this, uh, kind of a, uh, from an outside in, this imposition from a harsh leader and somebody that's autocratic and abusive. No, no. He says, listen, my son, to a father's instruction from a father who loves you. So Benedict, as the spiritual father of his monastery, says, I love you guys. I want to share with you some things that really work that you're going to find might work in your life too. So obedience is about listening to the wise teaching of somebody who's been at it a little longer, as was the case with uh, St. Benedict. And he says, here's the deal. He says, if you are willing to give up self-will once and for all. In Benedictinism, we talk about self-will. In Scripture, we talk about the old self. We have the old self that we've settled for that doesn't make us happy. The old self that doesn't make us happy, it doesn't make the people we live with very happy. And St. Paul is very clear. You've got to let the old self die through the cross of Christ in baptism to be born again, to be resurrected to become a new creation in Christ. And that's really at the heart of the rule of Benedict. All of it, all of the stuff that comes later about how do you do this in an actual community on the ground day in and day out, all of the rest of it flows from that essential truth. Bringing (laughs) the old self, the self-will as he calls it, to the cross and letting it go. If you're not willing, if that's not what you want... Well, the cross is going to be unbearable. It's going to be torture. It was, a, it was a symbol of torture, wasn't it, in the Roman expression. See, Christians, we wear crosses around. We've turned it into a, around our necks. We, look at that. we got the crucifix back there. The cross is, is a symbol of new life. Isn't that cool? New life. Yeah. So Benedict is saying, if you are willing to let go of your self-will, to let go of your ego attachments once and for all, ah, you'll find this a great way to live. But if you're not willing to do that, this way of life is going to be, it's going to be intolerable for you. It's going to be torture. It'll be tough, but it doesn't have to be torture. So listening to let go of self-will. He says, and also in the prologue, Any work that we do, let's begin with prayer. We can't do this by our own strength. we got to have God's grace or we can't get it done. So begin, he says begin. Every work that you do with prayer. So prayer is all through the life of the early Benedictine monks. Wow, how cool is that? They prayed seven times a day. Are we stopping and praying through our day? To ask for God's grace or we try to do it by our own power. Our own power won't cut it. So he says, stop and pray. Stop and pray. And he says, we don't want to establish anything that's harsh. Nothing extreme. Again, back to this notion of balance and and moderation. We want to establish a school of the Lord's service. And he says, if you start this, and if you encounter something that's a little difficult because, oh, you know... The requirements of living with other people. Uh, if we're going to eat together, we got to eat it. Well, I don't want to eat at five. I want to eat at four. I don't want to eat at five. I want to eat at six. <laughs> See, so you, uh, sometimes you say we're going to eat at five. We're going to pray at this time, that time. 
And he says, if it seems a little restrictive, don't run away. Stay with it. Stay with it. And over time, you'll discover that it sets you free. This discipline of living in, in love responsibility with other, it'll, with other people, it'll set you free. And it'll become easy. Wow. That's just the prologue. Well, let's move on to, to the beginning of the rule. He talks about different kinds of monks. And there are different kinds of people in community. And there are different ways to live it. He talks about two major ways that grow later into into three ways in classical monasticism. He talks about those who live cinnabites. Boy, it sounds like cinnabite. Man, let's call let's call the exterminator. We got cinnabites in the house. <laughs> no, a cinnabite comes from the Greek koinonia, and it's, so it's a Latinized version of the Greek, and it just means living together. So we have monks that live together, and there are also hermits. It comes from Aramite and Anchorite, both which mean alone, living alone. So he says there are two major expressions of how to live in monasticism, those who live in community and those who live live alone, but they live alone after they've gone through the test of living in community with other people. So it takes love responsibility. You can't shirk it. I always say, if you're, if you're ready to live with other people, now you can go into solitude. And if you're not afraid of solitude, now you can live with other people. Neither of these expressions can be an escape from the love responsibility of a naked encounter with God through Christ and then the real love responsibility of living with other people. Because Jesus is all about love. You can't get away from it. But he talks about some bad expressions. Listen to this. He talks about a group of monastics called Cerebites. <laughs> What's that? He says these are basically self-willed monastic groups. They're small groups that kind of say, well, if, if it makes us happy, we'll call it holy. They can't join the larger group. They can't join the tested group. They're always trying to do their own thing. Now, this, you know, the church is very clear that in each era there are new communities being raised up by the Spirit. I'm part of one that builds on what's come before. So there's a good progressive expression of, of new communities in the church. So it's not a bad thing to have new communities. But it is a bad thing to say, I want to start my own community because I want to be in control. I don't want to have to submit to time-tested teachings because I want to have my own teachings. And this is not a new thing. Think about it today. People that are always starting new communities, new movements, new churches, new faith communities, because essentially it's not because God's given them something new to say. It's because <laughs> it's because they don't want to submit to somebody else. And then there's gyrovags. Gyrovags are those who go from group to group. And he talks about them. They're not mendicants like later with St. Francis and St. Dominic. We'll talk about that later. These are people that, that, that just can't sit still. So you have to learn, learn to bloom where you're planted. You have to have some stability in your life. So we want to have, we, we have hermits, people who can live by themselves, and people that can live in community. But we don't want to have false communities Again, it goes back to self-will, doesn't it? It's all about the ego. Are you getting rid of the ego? Are you getting rid of the self-will? 
There's so many other great teachings. Obedience, folks, is just about listening. Learning how to be silent. He does a whole chapter on silence. In the multitude of words there lacks not sin. And then the steps of humility. Oh, folks, humility is just the truth. Getting rid of the false self. Getting rid of the false self, the ego attachments, the self-will, the old self. Bringing it all to the cross of Jesus. And when you bring it to the cross and let it go, you're born again. You discover what it is to be free. And if you can live in community, you're ready to live by yourself. And if you're not afraid to live by yourself, you're ready for community and relationship. And you're free no matter where you go. Benedict brings this together in balance and in moderation. Let's pray together. Jesus, you gave Benedict this great teaching of balance and moderation. You brought his life into wholeness and health. Jesus, bring that to our life. Help us to get rid of the extremes. Help us to get rid of the self-will, the ego attachments. Help us to come to your cross and to let ourselves go completely so we can be born again in you. In Jesus' name we pray. I love you guys. All things are possible with God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit exalts in God my Savior. say is impossible. I don't think she understood it. We still don't understand it medically. But she believed it, and because she dared to believe that which the world would say is impossible, Jesus was born into her life, and through her, he was born into our lives as well. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to overshadow us.
Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.